Radio 700 WLW, Mike Allen, and Saturday midday on a beautiful, gorgeous Saturday morning. Supposed to be that way all weekend, and of course it's a long weekend because of Labor Day. But the Speaker of the House, Nancy, do as I say, not as I do, Pelosi, was in the news again this week. I know you know about this, and as is frequently the case with Ms. Pelosi, Hypocrisy ruled the day. Now, you know, we love the dictionary on this show and the word hypocrisy. Real simple definition. The practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. To repeat. The word hypocrisy in the dictionary defined as the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. Does that sound familiar? And again, I'm sure you already know the story by now, but for those of you that might not, on Tuesday of this week, Nancy Pelosi was captured by security footage, which was leaked to the media inside a San Francisco hair salon, not wearing a mask. Even though San Francisco's COVID-19 restrictions allow only service outside of the salon building. Queen Nancy was on the inside. This woman, (laughs) and this goes without saying, is a rank hypocrite. She's constantly rebuking the president and others for not wearing masks, yet she thinks she's above it all because she's Queen Nancy. And then she gets caught red-handed on camera And, of course, she refuses to apologize. Then on Wednesday, it went from being hypocritical to actually comical when she said she was set up. Listen to this. Here's what she said. This salon owes me an apology. That she said in response to questions from reporters. She goes on to say it was clearly a setup. I take responsibility falling for a setup by a neighborhood salon I've gone to for many years. Wouldn't it have been refreshing if she just would have said, hey, I needed to have my hair blown out, I had a Socialist Alliance meeting with my peeps tonight, and I wanted to look good. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. No, not Queen Nancy. The rules are for thee, but not for me. This woman is a rich, arrogant, limousine liberal who looks down on the unwashed masses, us, from her San Francisco mansion while she enjoys her $13 a pint ice cream. Remember that? Something else, but again, not surprising at all. Enough of Queen Nancy for now, though. But we'll get back to her just a little bit later. But I want to talk to you about something else uh, that scares the hell out of me. And it should scare the hell out of you, too. Okay, so I'm reading the Wall Street Journal on Wednesday, and I see an op-ed piece by Karl Rove. And I always read what he writes. He, of course, is the former White House Deputy Chief of Staff under George W. Bush. He was George W. Bush's political guy, basically. And in my opinion, at least, next to Newt Gingrich, he's probably the smartest political prognosticator in the country. Anyway, he writes this op-ed piece that's called 
what could go wrong on Election Day. And I'm just going to read you the first and last paragraphs of it because you'll get the gist of it from that. Okay, first paragraph. If most ballots this fall are cast by mail, the results may not be known for days. That could plunge America into a prolonged controversy and undermine confidence in the outcome uh, of the democratic system, both some, uh, both something adversaries in Moscow, Beijing, and Tehran would cheer. It's the first paragraph. He explains itself, ends up with this. This election will feature days, possibly weeks, of indecision, which invites chaos, and chaos invites greater division. Like, we don't have enough of that already. This will be the byproduct of moving the 2020 election from the booth to the mailbox. And here's the most important thing he said. Our democracy doesn't need yet another stress test, but we're setting ourselves up for one. And let me tell you, people, Karl Rove isn't the only one concerned about this. There are all kinds of people who believe that we could be headed for the biggest electoral train wreck in the history, not only of the United States, but in the history of any democracy. And because of the hysteria over COVID-19, it's estimated that 80 million people will vote by mail this year. And almost no one is ready for this. Yeah, 80 million people, that's about 75% of the electorate who are expected to vote by mail in about 58 days. And everyone on both sides seems to agree that it's going to take much, much more time to count these mail ballots than the in-person ballots that you have. And add on top of that, some states, Ohio's one of them, will count ballots that are actually delivered after the election if they're postmarked by a certain date. North Carolina, if it's postmarked by November 3rd and the election's on November 3rd uh, it, and received by November the 6th, they'll count it. Iowa, ballots must be postmarked by November 2nd and received by noon on November 9th to count. Ohio, listen to this. If the ballot is postmarked by November 2nd and received by November 13th, it will be counted. And I think you get the point. Millions of votes will not be counted until days or weeks after the election. And take a look at the primary elections we just went through. At the height of the pandemic, Millions of voters used mail-in ballots because they felt it was unsafe to vote in person, which, of course, Wisconsin proved that was not the case. But in states such as Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and the District of Columbia, thousands of voters requested absentee ballots from election officials, but never even got them. And again, keep in mind, that was only a primary election. Mr. Rove adds this. One other thing, this I'm reading from his op-ed piece. One other thing, mail-in ballots are rejected at a not insignificant rate, especially those filed by first-time mail-in voters who don't follow the instructions properly. Imagine the scrutiny these will receive in a close contest. Democrats are likely to sue to force the counting of rejected and late-arriving ballots. And let me pose a question to you. 
And I do want to hear your opinion on this. 749-7000, the big one. And I wonder about this. What is so hard for most people? I'm excluding the infirm and the elderly, but what is so hard for most people to get the hell out of bed on Election Day and go to the polling place and vote? What is so difficult about that? It's a privilege. It's uniquely American. When you vote in person, you know your vote will count. You don't have to worry about it. And it can be safe, if done right, even during the pandemic. Again, I would cite you to Wisconsin in the primary. And guess what? Maybe I'm the only one that feels this. It's fun. (laughs) To me, it is. It's fun. You go vote, you walk out of there, and it's like, damn. I'm a citizen of a country that lets me decide who I want running the country. I don't get it. I never have. And check this out as far as the safety of it. None other than Dr. Anthony Fauci, who I think we all would agree is the top coronavirus expert in this country, said this week that he believes voting in person in November would be safe so long as masks were worn and social distancing measures were followed. Would that be a bit of an inconvenience? Yes. But again, if you have to wait 10, 15 minutes to vote, you know, there are people that vote in in some of the former countries of the Soviet Union. They waited hours. They walked a couple of days and waited hours on top of hours to vote. Maybe you were a little spoiled in this country. You just got to trust me on this one. This has the makings of an electoral disaster of epic proportions. I mean, it truly does. I mean, think back to the 2000 presidential election, Bush versus Gore. That wasn't settled until December the 12th and was finally settled by the United States Supreme Court. I mean, that election could make this one look like child's play. But. If that doesn't scare the hell out of you, this will. Just listen to me right now. President Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, you heard me right. President Nancy Pelosi. Check this out. If the election somehow remains incomplete and there is no president-elect or vice president-elect, Elected by the Electoral College by noon on January 20th, something called, I didn't even know about this, something called the Electoral Count Act provides that the vacancy shall be filled by an acting president. And here's the chilling part. With the Speaker of the House first in line, followed by the President Pro Tem of the Senate. Wow. Hey, but you know what? Don't take my word for it. Take it from Judge Andrew Napolitano and listen to what he told Stuart Varney this week. Could you hit President that? Trump's term ends at precisely his current term ends at precisely noon on January 20th, 2021. If the Electoral College has not yet named a successor, presumably either Donald Trump or Joe Biden, then whoever is the Speaker of the House would become the acting president of the United States. 
if the Democrats retain their majority in the House, and it, it appears likely that they will, but if they do, and if they choose Mrs. Pelosi, knowing at that point that they're choosing the next president of the United States, then it would be she. Uh, they may choose somebody else, or they may not have the majority. The Republicans may have the majority. But stated simply, whoever is the sitting Speaker of the United States would become president at noon on January 20th, 2021, if the Electoral College has failed to elect someone. You heard it, not from me, but from Judge Napolitano, who I know most conservatives and most Republicans trust. This horrid woman could become the 46th president of the United States. And it may be temporary, but can you imagine what damage this arrogant woman could inflict on this country in a short period of time? And the way things are going, and you just heard it. I mean, look into it yourself, if you don't believe me. The way things are going, this could happen. It really could happen. You know, like Carl Rove said in his last sentence of that great op-ed piece, and I really would encourage you to read it, America doesn't need another stress test. We just don't need it. This country is at a breaking point, but it looks like we may be setting ourselves up for it. Anyway, that's what I think. I want to know what you think. 749-7000, 1-800-THE-BIG-1 are the numbers. Mike Allen, Saturday Midday. 923 News Radio, 700 WLW, Mike Allen, and Saturday Midday, talking about the frightening, the shocking, the just overwhelmingly bad possibility of Nancy Pelosi being at least temporarily the 46th president of the United States. If we have the meltdown that many think is a distinct possibility after the presidential election, because the estimates now are 75% of the American public are going to vote by mail. And there are many that believe that the post office isn't ready for it. The local boards of elections aren't ready for it. They may think they are, and they may say they are, but I'll tell you what, 75% of ballots coming in like that, and I'm no conspiracy theorist, and make no mistake about it, I don't want this to happen. I don't. I'm one of these guys that likes to know who won before I go to bed. But I'm telling you right now, at a minimum, that ain't going to happen. And if they dither with this thing, and if there are the problems that many think are going to happen Guess who's first in line to be temporary president? That horrific, arrogant woman who can't even admit when she does something that is hypocritical. She can't stand in front of the American people and say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. No. What does she say? I was set up and you just knew it. You just knew it. I knew when it happened. That even with this left-leaning media, somebody would ask her a question about it, and she'd have to explain herself. Well, no apology, no explanation. I was set up. Yeah, give me a break. Let me go to Barry in Miamisburg. Good morning, Barry. 
Hey, how's it going today? Good. What you Beautiful got? morning, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It's going to be that way all weekend. Um, usually during elections, I'm one of the poll workers here in Montgomery County. Okay. As I understand the procedure for mail-in ballots, they get counted on the night of the election, same as regular ballots do, if they're at the Board of Elections at that time. Right. They are included in the tentative vote count that you see the night of the election or the morning after. Right. The Board of Elections has up to 10 days to look into discrepancies and errors and try to fix things for people who didn't fill out the form right, that kind of thing. Provisional ballots, they have 10 days after the election, which is why most news stories should have a little asterisk underneath the count saying, you know, this is tentative. Uh, The procedure is there. The problem is going to be what happens when the post office screws the pooch like they did in Hamilton and delivers a bunch of ballots after the deadline? Yeah, right. I mean, I'm looking at it here. I could be wrong. But in Ohio, uh, if your ballot is postmarked by November the 2nd, it, it will count as long as it's received by November the 13th, which by my math, I mean, you got Election Day, November the 3rd. Ten days later, I mean, those right, are, and then the post office shows up a week after that with yeah, a couple hundred ballots. Going, oh, we found these in the back room. You know, those people are out of luck. Well, my advice to you is go vote in person. Well, and that's what I was just going to ask you, Barry. I mean, let me ask you, as someone who works at the polls, do you feel that the polling places can be set up? To be safe from COVID-19 with a mask. And I have no problem with saying, hey, you're not getting in here unless you have a mask on and and buy some masks and and let them be there for people who forget. And, and, you know, you you can uh, place the uh, the polling, the the little boost there within the six feet. I mean, do I guess the question is, do you think that we could pull that off? I think that as a poll, I haven't gone to this year's training session yet. So this is qualified with that proviso. Sure. You know, as a poll worker, if you're not wearing your, at least wearing your own mask and doing the hand sanitizer thing, you're an idiot. Yeah, really. I mean, it just Um, makes sense to do it. And it's easy. It seems to me that there will be masks available for poll workers from what I've heard. And we're probably going to go through 55-gallon drums of sanitizer. Honestly, I think it's as safe as going to the grocery store. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I go to Kroger every other day, it seems like, and they've got mask and sanitizer for people who forget it, unless I'm mistaken. And thank you for the call. I appreciate it. We're bumping up against the news here. But from what I understand, in Wisconsin, in the primary, they all voted. They got all kinds of crap for it. They voted in person. There were no problems at all. No problems at all. And again, somebody needs to tell me what is so damn hard about waking up on Election Day, going to work, then vote, vote, then go to work, vote at lunchtime. They make it easy for you. In Ohio, I believe it's 
7.30, or no, it's earlier than that, maybe 6.30, 6 o'clock, and the polls don't close till 7.30. I mean, how much easier can it get? And you walk out of that place and you feel great about living in a country where you get to pick who serves. Not like Russia, where they poison their opponents. Anyway, I don't get it. But we got to take a break for the news. But when we come back, we'll continue with your calls. Mike Allen, Saturday Midday. 937 News Radio, 700 WLW, Mike Allen, Saturday Midday. We are talking about the frightening, the chilling, the horrifying prospect of a President Nancy Pelosi, even for a temporary basis. And again, if that doesn't scare the hell out of you, nothing will. Earlier in the rant, and I'm going to replay it, I played a little clip from uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Now, I'm sure most of you know him. He appears frequently on Fox. He also appears frequently on Brian Thomas's show on 55 KRC. Uh, the guy does his homework. He knows what he's talking about. He was asked a question about exactly this by Stuart Varney earlier in the week. Austin, can you play that again? President Trump's term ends at precisely his current term ends at precisely noon on January 20th, 2021. If the Electoral College has not yet named a successor, presumably either Donald Trump or Joe Biden, then whoever is the Speaker of the House would become the acting president of the United States. If the Democrats retain their majority in the House, and it, it appears likely that they will, but if they do, and if they choose Mrs. Pelosi, knowing at that point that they're choosing the next president of the United States, then it would be she. Uh, they may choose somebody else, or they may not have the majority. The Republicans may have the majority. But stated simply, whoever is the sitting Speaker of the United States would become president at noon on January 20th, 2021, if the Electoral College has failed to elect someone. You know, let that rattle around in your mind for a little bit. And honestly, I didn't consider this until I heard Judge Napolitano say that. I drilled down on it, and the man knows what he's talking about. And again, I'm no conspiracy theorist. I don't want this to happen. But it could happen given the fact that it's estimated that 75% of people are going to vote by mail this time around, either absentee or by a straight a direct mail ballot. And I don't think people are ready for it. I don't think the boards of elections are ready for it. I don't think the post office is ready for it. I don't think the various secretary of state's offices throughout the country, who in most states run the election, I don't think they're ready for it. The planning for this thing should have begun a long time ago. But I think even more so, why do we need to have mail-in voting? I get absentee. I get absentee, and from everything that I've seen, and I spent about four years on our local board of elections here, absentees are fine. You know, provisionals are fine. Provisional ballots, some of them at least, are from soldiers that, and sailors, Marines, and airmen who are serving uh, out of the country or away from here. They count those provisionals if they need to, but direct mail election, there's no indication that it is even needed. I mean, I read this, Dr. Fauci, the guy I think everybody would agree, the foremost uh, expert 
on the whole coronavirus thing said this week that he believed that voting in person in November would be safe as long as people wear masks, which is a reasonable request, and do their social distancing thing, which really isn't all that difficult. So why do we even have to encounter the possibility of this? Anyway, I'm going back to the American people where there is some real knowledge in the form of Michael in Columbus. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good, good. What you got? You know, these are two things. One, you know, there's a nice thing called early voting in Ohio. If you don't feel safe going out on election day, go to your local board of election on between October and November and just vote that way. Well, and that's a good point, too, because then you walk out of the Board of Elections and you know, hey, they got my ballot. (laughs) I know it's going to count. Yeah, you're right about that. And the Board of Elections now is centrally located. I think it's right smack dab in the geographical center of the county in Norwood. Beautiful facility out there. And you're right. I mean, that's one way to do it, too. I just don't get it. I really do. Do we have to? hamper everyone and accede to every possible outcome. I mean, again, Wisconsin proves during the primary that you can have a a safe election with people going to the the polling places. I mean, I, I say I don't get it. I do get it. The Democrats believe that they are going to do or could do considerably better with mail-in ballots than Republicans. They Democrats could care less about ballot security, but I'll tell you what, we're headed for a train wreck. Yes, we are. And then, uh, real quick on uh, cra- a biggest shudder that's the fact of Nancy Pelosi even being oh. third in line for the presidency. You know, that that woman, I, I don't know what it is, but I remember, I think it was like 2016, I remember her making the comment, because she is so arrogant. You know, she's like, well, we don't, you know, something about uneducated white guys. Yeah. Voting Republican. Could you imagine if Donald Trump or one of the Republicans said that? Yeah. And how about what she said about the rioters? Here's what she said. And I'm quoting. Oh, well, people are going to do what people do. Can you imagine if Trump would have said that? She is. You could go to Central Casting. It's to say you're out in Hollywood, one of the studios. Call Central Casting. Hey, uh, please send me uh, an arrogant feminist liberal and they send Nancy Pelosi. She's the poster child for it. She is a horrific, repulsive, dangerous liberal who <laughs> I don't want her within 10 feet of the Oval Office. And then, you know, I saw the salon owner on Tucker, her, her, uh, Tucker Carlson the other night, and my heart breaks for that lady. You could tell. You could tell she was hurting. I mean, her business is about wrecked. And then you know, talking about the setup, the supposed setup, she said, I've had cameras in this place for, I think she said, years, six years, if I'm not mistaken. How could she have been set up? And think of the restaurant owners, too, Michael, in, in New York City. My God, that's that's their livelihood. And to have to have those shut down for as long as they have. I don't know. It's just it's a really bad thing that doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon. Yeah, because you know, I went to a local dry cleaners here in Columbus, and the lady who was telling me yesterday she had to lay off like half her staff. Wow. COVID. Yeah, you know, I live downtown, and I frequent downtown restaurants, and there's one in particular that I love. This, this young couple uh, are doing a great job there, but they're barely hanging on. I, I mean, it's 
Something's got to give, but I appreciate your call. I appreciate the input. Okay, thanks, Michael. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But, boy, I'll tell you what, downtown has changed. And we talked a little bit about this last week with the kind of a lawless feeling down there and the noise and people driving around all hours of the night, beeping their horns, screaming. But what I think is also bad, too, are a lot of the restaurants and a lot of the businesses are drying up. But let me talk to Aaron in Springboro, see what he thinks about this. Hey, Aaron, how are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you today on this beautiful Saturday? Oh, it's unbelievable. It's nice. I'm Georgia. happy to be an American. Absolutely. Me too. Um, real quick for your uh, last caller there, just tell him to have some faith in uh, still some of the goodness of the uh, conservative American people out there. The salon owner in San Francisco, uh, after her story was brought public by Tucker Carlson, uh, she's already uh, received over $220,000 in a GoFundMe account. I so, heard that this morning. That's something yeah, else, isn't it? That's something to help you make you feel good. But uh, more directly, I wanted to speak to you a little bit about what you're talking about. Uh, at a minimum, is not going to happen on election night. And I, I agree with you 90% of the time, Mike, but mm-hmm. I think that in your position, and, and especially people more on a national stage, it's, it's very dangerous to just go along with the narrative that's being, you know, shoved down our throats out there, which is basically what you're saying. We're not going to know on election night. There may be several days to several weeks before we actually know. I think another scenario is quite possible. If President Trump continues to absolutely gain support from the black community, as every poll out there shows that he is, I think it would be very, very inappropriate for any major network to not call him as the winner on election night if it's showing what appears to be potentially a, a electoral college landslide. Now, you had Hillary, Hillary Clinton come out with her comments about, yeah. you know, I've advised the campaign and don't concede. Joe Biden don't ever, ever concede. Over time, we're going to get this thing. Well, anybody with any simple common sense can tell you that's all about ballot harvesting. Sure and I look at, you know, the districts where they need to be able to swing the, the votes, and that's what they're going to go for. So I would just say don't just absolutely drink all the Kool-Aid that we're not going to know on election night because – I still think that there's a few last, we'll call it, gas, dying breaths of conservatives left in this country that are going to push this thing you know, over the limit, no matter how much the Democrats think they can cheat to rob this election from us. I'll tell you what, Keith, thanks for those remarks. Uh, I, and I agree. I mean, I don't want this to happen. I don't want it to happen. But you just look at the way things are going. Everything is contentious. I don't want to knock the post office. I really don't. I mean, every mail carrier I've ever known or had dealings with are competent and professional people. But that's a lot to be dumping on the post office. It just is. And the way things are trending in this country where nobody is going to agree to anything, no matter how reasonable it is, I can see a scenario where this thing stretches out and stretches out and eventually like in Bush v. Gore in 2000, the United States Supreme Court has to unravel un, uh, the thing. I, I hope that's not the case. I truly hope that's not the case, but who in the hell knows? Let me talk to Laura in Middletown. Good morning, Laura. Hi. What you got? Oh, I just want to let you know, I work in Butler County, polls, and it's going to be very safe, just like shopping. 
you know, if you don't wash your hands once you get done, I would say use sanitizer. But uh, we're going to make sure everybody's safe. It's just like going to the grocery. And uh, Nancy Pelosi, oh, I wish, you know, there were term limits and she was already gone. I'll tell you what, it just scares the crap out of me. I mean, that woman could be president for a week and do so much damage to this country. But I'm glad you called, Laura. Just, the, the planning for Election Day, and it sounds like you've gone to training already, or, or maybe they've given out some information uh, over the Internet or whatever. Yes. There, has there been specific training for, you know, social distancing? You already talked about washing the hands and everything. Oh, yeah. It's going to be six foot, all the voting um you know, spots are going to be six foot. Yeah. You know, we're going to have voting assistant people. Uh, we'll probably be watching the line. We'll do everything we can to make it safe. We want all people to vote. You know, I'm Republican, but I want all people to vote. I hear you, and thank you for your call. And also, I think it's important also to thank people like Laura for their service. It may only be one day uh, out of the year it may not be in a combat zone. It may not be on a police shift, but they deserve thanks because I tell you, and, and I've been doing this for a while. And like I said, I was on the board of elections in Hamilton County for three or four years. Those people on election day, they work their butt off and they don't make anything. I don't think it's much more than minimum wage. They don't do it for the money. Those people really need to be congratulated. And by the way, kind of an interesting thing happened. The Ohio Supreme Court, long story short, they're in charge of lawyer training, and we have to have what's called continuing legal education, where we have to report every other year. Well, the United States, or excuse me, the Ohio Supreme Court uh, made the decision through the Chief Justice that if the lawyer goes to the polling uh, place on Election Day and works uh, helping out there, that will count towards their continuing legal education. Whoever thought of that, I think it was brilliant. And other professions might want to think about that, too, because, boy, I'll tell you what, these local county boards of elections struggle to get people that want to do it. And what could be more important than that? I mean, really, when you think about it. Anyway, let me uh, let me talk to Mark in Dayton. Hey, Mark, what you got? Hey, Mike, here's one for you. And I think this also has a very real possibility. How about President Biden and Vice President Pence? How does that happen? If there's no majority in the Electoral College, the House of Representatives gets to vote. vote for the You're president. right. And Vice they President. Get, no, they do not vote Vice President. They only vote for the President. They get 50 votes. If the Senate has the Republican majority, they pick the vice president. Oh, okay. You know what? And, and let's just assume things stay the same with respect to who controls the House and the Senate. I guess you could have something like that. Now, I know back in the day, in the early part of our country's history, you had things like that happen. Where the it, it did happen that. once. It did happen once. But, yeah. but I think... Uh, Whoever had the, you know, the same party had both houses. What I would like to see, and I don't know if it could happen, how about President Biden and Vice President Trump? <laughs> God, how do you think that would work out? <laughs> wow. I'll tell you what. Thank you for those interesting and, and kind of scary 
possibilities. And again, I want to make it clear. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm not saying I want it to happen. It probably won't happen, thank goodness. But having said all of that, it could happen. And it ever, if it ever was going to happen, this would be the time that it would. I mean, it's just the way it is, the way things are going in this country. Anyway, looks like we got time for at least one more. How about Scott in Lebanon? Morning, Scott. Good morning, Mike Allen. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. Hey, yesterday when the news broke on the, this is off topic, can I talk about the character assassination? Sure. Yeah. Well, yesterday when the character assassination tent broke, I began to laugh and think, you know, here we go, Russia, 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 quid pro quo, quid pro quo. Oh, yeah. And then, then as the evening broke and we hear sound bites from finding out that the, uh, it's an anonymous witness. Just don't tell anybody. And then it, we find out the soundbite from John Bolton, who hates Trump, said there's, this did not happen. You know, he was he was told not to go by Kelly because of weather. And we're finding out that on record there was several people there. And then I begin to think about uh, think about uh, just how mentally deranged this party is and how they'll stoop. And another thing, they know something we don't know about the polls. So I I agree with that. And uh, I appreciate that call and that point of view. And and he's right. You know, and I'm glad he called because I I got at least a minute here or so to talk about this. And by the way, uh, no guest from 1030 to 11. So if you're on and you want to talk, just kind of hang on. We can do it then. Do have a guest and I'll tell you about uh, her coming up. But anyway, with respect to that, here's all you need to know. And the caller just said it. John Bolton who hates Donald Trump, hates Donald Trump so much, he wrote a book trashing him. And he's got some scruples here, I think. He said it didn't happen. He denied it. He said, I would be in a position to know if it happened, and it didn't happen. But then, again, like the caller said, anonymous sources. If you got any guts and you really believe this, stand up and tell the American people you were in the room, you heard it. And don't wait, you know, for two years, 60 days before an election to bring it out. I mean, come on. Why didn't we hear about it when it allegedly happened? So that thing has absolutely no credibility whatsoever. But I'm going to tell you what. It's all timed out and it's all planned. And that's not the last of this kind of nonsense that you're going to hear before this election is over. And the media, the mainstream media is going to play right into it. They're not going to question it. They're going to report it as if it happened, which is exactly what they're doing. Anyway, we got a break for the news, but when we get back, boy, a lot of people are excited about this. I've never heard of this before, but next Saturday, uh, there's a group that's planning a Trump parade on I-75. They're planning, uh, calling it a vehicular parade around Interstate 275. Uh, They want to fill that loop beginning next Saturday at 10 a.m. And when we get back, we're going to talk to one of the organizers of that parade, and uh, she can let you know how you can get involved. Mike Allen, News Radio 700 WLW. Yes. 
News Radio 700 WLW. Mike Allen in hour two of Saturday midday. Hey, there's a thing that's going to come off next Saturday. This sounds like fun. And I'll tell you, I've done just about everything in the political realm, but never heard of something like this before. But it sounds like an event that can really make a point about the support that President Trump has here in the Tri-County area, but one that also can be fun. Anyway, a group of President Trump supporters that are planning a vehicular parade around the I-275 loop. And the group is called Trump Parade Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm looking at their Facebook page now. Uh, They want to get this thing and kick it off 10 a.m. next Saturday. The loop, according to one press report, only enters the city of Cincinnati briefly near Coney Island. And I'll tell you what, I'd love to see him go downtown and drive down Vine Street and then maybe up Main Street. Uh, I think that would be a good thing. Uh, for downtown. So maybe I'll talk to the organizer about that. Karen Mills, welcome to Saturday Midday. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, So can I change your mind? Can you go downtown and drive <laughs> around down there for a while? I'll tell you what, the logistics of that would be kind <laughs> of crazy with almost 4,000 participants. Wow. You're up to 4,000, Karen? Just about. We're wow. 3,865. That's incredible. Hey, listen, because so many people haven't heard of something like this before, just take your time and lay it out for our listeners and, and tell them what it is, where it is, when it is, and how they can get involved. Well, the date is September 12th. That's next Saturday. It begins at 10 o'clock to noon or longer, if that's what it takes. Um, it includes the total... I-275 loop that um, involves Indi- a little bit of Indiana mm-hmm. and Kentucky. And um, if you check on our Facebook page that you just mentioned. The Trump, Trump Parade, Parade, Cincinnati, Ohio. Easy to find. Yes. yes if they check on there, there's um, explicit details. There's 32 of the 37 exits. Um, there's staging areas for those exits. And um, you can either join one of those groups or just get on the loop yourself at 10 o'clock. Um, the, uh, they'll be coming from all areas. This helps to disperse the number of people and keep it um, right. flowing. We will be going in both directions. Um, the purpose of that is to create excitement and enthusiasm sure. for the parade. People can see each other. They can wave. They can, um, you know, this is this is about showing our love for America and and supporting our president and just um, having a fun day of of um, celebration and telling people, hey, we love America and this is what we stand for and we're we're ready to we're ready to show up and ride and and, 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 I, the loop. <laughs> and I don't imagine Karen, you'll be uh, burning any buildings or shooting or or maiming anybody like uh, some on the other side are. Well, we we are confident that these people that have joined our parade will conduct themselves as true, decent patriots. This is intended to be a peaceful event, um, a time to encourage each other. Um, it's ironic that the day that we chose this is actually the National Day of Encouragement. So... Um, it's also the National Day of Chocolate Milkshake. So bring your <laughs> chocolate milkshake and come and 
uh, ride the loop. I'll tell you what, it's it's an incredible thing. It must be a logistical challenge, though, to do that. And you said you're close to 4,000 people, I think, that, that yes. want to do this. How did you get involved in this? Was it your idea? And has this ever been done anywhere before? Because I've never heard of it before. Well, it started with a conversation among um, two lady friends that I had. And um, one of them is here in Cincinnati. She has been my right hand through all of this. And so we talked about it. It, it. Originally, it was just going to be two small parades, maybe four at the most. And we were going to start from Kenwood and Milford. And we were just going to ride down through town. Well, within two days of having this on our Facebook page, we were over 200 people. And every day after that, it has grown. And we realized that the logistics of going down through town and having to have stoplights, et cetera, it was going to get crazy. Right. So then we thought we would have a smaller loop, you know, around 275, maybe just do seven X's or so and make a loop that way. Right. But then it grew even more. Uh-huh. And so we're like, okay, let's just fill the loop. Let's do this. Let's show up and ride. I'll tell so you what, that's kind of how it happened. It, it, it looks like it's going to be fun. Let me ask you, in, in planning this thing, and, and as you said, it sounds like it came together pretty quickly. Have you been working with and are you going to work with the various uh, police departments? Will there be a police escort? Uh, what's the planning for something like that? Well, the OSP, the ISP, the KSP, all of them um, that have covers been noti- it. Yes, they have been notified and they... Um, have shown their support for this event. Uh, we have police, firefighters, and first responders that are, um, they are going to be in the vicinity. We are, we're not, um, you know what, we are confident that they're capable of handling this event. No question and, about it. Um, all areas that pertain to this event have been contacted and covered, and we're thankful for that. We're thankful for um what they're doing to help us with this. Let me ask you, have you had any inquiries uh, from national media on this? Because this is a big deal. And the numbers <laughs> you're giving me, and just the breadth of it, the whole I-275 loop, this is going to be something. And, you know, I hope somebody's in a helicopter or a drone or something and films this thing, you know, close to being in its entirety. But have you gotten any national media inquiries yet? Uh, no, uh, just some uh, specific group, you know, political groups or, you know, groups that are supporting Trump, groups that support right to life or different things like that. Not really national. Um, we do have, we are going to have a couple drones that are um, cool, licensed to do that. Uh, we would love, love, love to have an airplane fly around. We've been working on that, but the logistics of that and it has to be a person that is um, licensed and trained to do that. Sure. So, hey, if you hear of anybody, send them our way. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, I will, Karen. And let me ask you this. If someone does not have Facebook and they want to participate, where would they go to find out what they got to do? Well, my email address is on that Facebook page, so they can – I've been answering people that way and giving them the information. Do you mind if I give it but, out? That's fine. Karen.mills8 at yahoo.com. 
Sounds good, Karen Mills. Maybe we can call on you, take a, a few minutes out of your time next Saturday to talk about this while it's going on. Uh, would love to do that if if you can spare the time. But this is going to be a heck of a, a heck of an event, and kudos <laughs> to you for it's planning wonderful. it. Say that one more time. I'm sorry. Kudos to you for planning this. Oh, thing. thank you, thank you. Well, I have a, a great team that's helping me, and I couldn't do it without them. To be honest, and you know, it's not just me, but it's the people too. Right. They have shared this. They have told this at their workplace. And um, I couldn't have done it without them. They are just fantastic and have gotten the word out, and people are pumped and excited about it, and I I'm, I'm just think it's going to be a great day. It's going to be fun. Karen Mills, appreciate you spending some time with us, and good luck next Saturday. All right. Thank you. Okay. That was Karen Mills, the organizer of the Trump Parade Cincinnati, Ohio. I'll tell you what. I mean, the numbers that she said, I think it was just under 4,000. It's going to be incredible. It'll be an incredible thing to see. And I think it speaks volumes of the support for President Trump in this uh, whole region here, Ohio, Kentucky and Indiana. And they got the Kentucky State Police, the Indiana State Police, Ohio State Patrol involved. So I'm certain it's going to be a safe event as well. Going to be a fun one to watch. Hey, we got to take a break, but we'll be back. Mike Allen, News Radio 700 WLW. 1021 on a beautiful Saturday morning, Mike Allen, Saturday midday. You know, sometimes things happen during the week that just honk me off so much, I just have to vent. And this is one of them, so indulge me here for a minute. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when Senator Rand Paul and his wife were attacked by the mob In Washington, D.C., when they were apparently leaving the White House after President Trump's acceptance speech, uh, the video of the incident's clear. It clearly showed that Senator uh, Paul and his wife were walking down a street surrounded by the mob. Uh, They were yelling stuff like, say her name. Her name was Breonna Taylor. She can't sleep, so neither will you. I mean, that's what you get from these people, but... One of the issues in the Breonna Taylor case is the issue of no-knock raids by law enforcement. It's it's controversial to some. No-knock raids are where the police will, when they're serving a search warrant, they don't have to knock or they won't knock on the door, I, I think for two reasons. One is officer safety, and number two is They don't want to give the bad guys time to destroy the evidence. But it's controversial, and Rand Paul uh, is a libertarian, and he's against it. So just think of the the irony of all this. He and his wife are just about pummeled by this mob. Go back and look at the coverage of it. They're, They're chanting this nonsense, you know, she can't sleep, neither will I. Her name was Breonna Taylor. Rand Paul... Rand Paul is the author of the Brianna Taylor law to end no knock raids. So the guy that they're, that they're surrounding and threatening is the guy. He's a libertarian, pretty much Republican is the guy that is trying to stop what they're against. That just shows the randomness and the idiocy of these people. Well, there was another example of that this week, even more glaringly stupid and ignorant. It happened this week at none other than Graceland 
in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, Elvis Presley's home. This is a little personal for me because I'm an Elvis guy. I always have been. Been to Graceland. It's beautiful. Anyway, on Monday night, Black Lives Matter and Antifa thugs spray painted, and you ought to look at this on the Internet, Black Lives Matter to fund the police and a lot of other niceties all over the wall surrounding Graceland. And it's a shame. The wall has been there since Elvis bought it in the 50s. Fans through the years, and they're allowed to do this, will write things, you know, memorials to Elvis on it. They're allowed to do it. It's encouraged. But these BLM thugs thought it was within their rights to deface it with their slogans. They also did the same thing Monday night at the Overton Park Shell And those of you who are really Elvis people know what I'm talking about there. That's a park in Memphis where Elvis gave his first live performance uh, all the way back in July of 1954. And at the Overton Park Shell, they spray painted again, Black Lives Matter, defund the police all over it. And, And you hear this and it sounds to me almost like Elvis Presley was targeted by these punks. But there's only one problem with that. Anybody who knows anything about Elvis knows that he was one of the least racist people in the world. I mean, he grew up dirt poor in Tupelo, Mississippi. He lived in the Lauderdale Courts Apartments, which was a public housing project, along with poor black people. He was always comfortable around black people, always. He loved black people, and black people loved him back. And just indulge me one minute here. Listen to what James Brown, and James Brown was called Soul Brother Number One. Listen to what James Brown said about Elvis Presley. He said, I wasn't just a fan, I was his brother. He said I was good, and I said he was good. We never argued about that. Elvis was a hard worker, dedicated, and God loved him. I love him and hope to see him in heaven. There'll never be another like that soul brother. (laughs) So in his entire career, Elvis Presley never, not once, did anything that was racist. Nothing whatsoever. I mean, he really was, if this is a word, an anti-racist. But the noble souls of Black Lives Matter, uh, they're going to vandalize his house and deface his legacy. You know, again, these are the people that we lionize, Black Lives Matter. These are the people that corporate America, Nike and Google, give millions of dollars to. These are the people that the NFL and the NBA and Major League Baseball put up on the pedestal. And NFL and, and uh, it, the NFL and the NBA, they put their names on jerseys. And is it any wonder in this country, that it's in the state that it's in, when you have a group of people like this who are immune from criticism, who are funded by corporate America defacing the home, the the monument to a legend who was the least racist person in the country. It's just insane. But that's what's happening in this country, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, we can talk about that when we get back from the break. Uh, we don't have a guest from 1030 to 11, 749 the big one. They're the numbers if you want to weigh in on this. Mike Allen, Saturday Midday.
Excuse. Ten thirty six News Radio seven hundred WLW. Mike Allen. Saturday midday, we're going to get back to the call seven four nine seven thousand one eight hundred. The big one. But before we do that, I want to mention something about a wonderful public servant who unfortunately passed away, and I, I think it was suddenly this week. I'm talking about Judge Ralph Winkler, and I'll tell you something. He touched so many lives positively in Hamilton County in his, I believe, 22 years on the bench. He started in municipal court, went to common pleas court, and then ended up in the Court of Appeals. So he hit all the uh, the positions, judicial positions, in Hamilton County, and I want to talk about Judge Winkler from a personal perspective for just a minute. You know, as a new lawyer starting out, the good judges recognize that when you walk into a courtroom and you don't have a lot of experience. That's not to say that they do things for you that they shouldn't. That's not the case at all, especially with Judge Winkler. But they take a little bit more time to explain things. And Judge Winkler was like that. There are a lot of lawyers in my generation in Hamilton County that that know that Judge Winkler did that, and they're thankful for that. But I also knew Judge Winkler in another capacity when I was chairman of the Hamilton County Republican Party. And I'm not going to get too detailed on this because I don't have to. There was a judicial race that we had to win. I mean, we had to get this seat back. And in Hamilton County, if you wanted to win a judicial seat, and if there were a Judge Winkler available to run for that seat at the time, that's how you get it back. Well, anyway, I talked to Judge Winkler, who was on the uh, Court of Common Pleas at the time when I was chairman about making that race. He didn't want to do it. He was happy where he was. But at the end of the day, Judge Winkler did do that because he was loyal. He was loyal to his party. And and I'll tell you something. That's a thing from a bygone era. You just don't see it anymore. And I was impressed 20-something years ago, whatever it was when that happened, and I'm still impressed by it. But more importantly, more importantly than that, uh, he was an excellent judge, an honest judge, a fair judge. He was a judge that didn't say a lot on the bench. And when judges talk too much, that's when they get in trouble with the Court of Appeals. But And Judge Winkler didn't have to, to bloviate from the bench because when he said something, he meant it. And you knew that he didn't have to expound on it any further than that. But again, even more important than that, He was a great husband, great father, grandfather. He's got two sons who are judges, uh, Judge Ted Winkler and Judge Bob Winkler, and I'm sure they're going to miss him. And Godspeed, Judge Winkler, and thank you for all the help that you gave me and other young lawyers going up. Anyway, let's get back to the phone here. We want to talk to... People about the Trump parade, they want to talk about uh, succession as president. So let's get back to that. How about Bob and Norwood? Good morning, Bob. Uh, yeah, good morning. Thanks, Thanks for hanging in there. Call. Yeah, uh, it was just about the succession judge. I hope I pronounced his name right. DePaul- the, Napolitano. DePaul- I yeah, I think he was incorrect. 
this, uh, what he was referring to was the succession upon the termination of an in-office uh, president and vice president, duly elected already. The, if the electors, uh, they can't elect uh, by just a statute a president. That's under Section uh, 1 of Article 2. If the Electoral College cannot uh, arrive at a president or vice president, then, the, like your previous caller said, then the House of Representatives chooses the president and the Senate chooses the vice president. Uh, the, the, a president can't be elected by just statute of Congress. Succession upon death or incapacity of a person in line can be uh, so designated, and I'd like to point that out that uh, I don't think Pelosi has a chance on that. Well, I tell you, what about this thing, and I didn't drill down on it that much, I didn't have time, the Electoral Count Act that, according to Judge Napolitano and others, provides that that's what happens. Well, that that should apply to the, the right the, the elector the electors, but if if no uh, decision has been made, um, I don't think an act of Congress can do that. It has to be a constitutional matter for uh, the election of a, an officer, a primary officer. Uh, that's my opinion. I'm uh, not as much a constitutionalist as uh, the judge. Um, I wish I was, right. but that's just my opinion. I, I think it would go to the, uh, the representatives of the Congress, and each state gets one vote, and if more states are Republican than Democrat, it becomes a, probably a Republican president. If vice versa, it becomes a Democratic well, president. Well, you know what, and thanks for that call, Bob. Let's just hope we don't have to get to that. I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of respect for Judge Andrew Napolitano and – I know the man does his homework, so I don't know. I'm still of the mindset that if it plays out the way he and others think that it could play out, God forbid we could have President Nancy Pelosi. Al in Mount Washington wants to talk about this. Hey, Al, what do you think about all this? You want to talk about what Mark Levin said about it? Yeah, fill us in. Well, uh, Mark is, is a constitutional expert. And he disagrees with Napolitano from what you've said, regardless of what uh, Napolitano said. If there is no decision, it doesn't go to the speaker. It goes to the House where each state gets one vote. And if that's the case, the the, uh, Republicans control 26, the Democrats control, uh, pardon me, yeah, 26, and the Democrats have 22, and two of them are split. So in which case, it's a done deal. Okay. that I mean, like I say, hopefully we won't have to, to get to that point. But I don't know. There are obviously why. And I have a lot of respect for Mark Levin, too. Uh, and thank you for the call. There are smart people that have different opinions of it. But I'm not going to say I did a deep dive into it. But what I looked at kind of jibes with what uh, Judge Napolitano was saying. And again, I want to, like President Nixon used to say, I want to make it perfectly clear. I don't want this to happen. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You know, I'm one of these guys for every election that I ever remember going back before I could vote. I want to go to bed election night knowing who won. 
And in most of them, we did. I mean, you had, uh, of course, Bush versus Gore in 2000 and some other ones that were close. President Trump, uh, that one went into the wee morning hours. But I don't know. It's not good for this country that if we got to sit around and wait for it, especially in these turbulent times. You know, you look at Bush versus Gore. Yeah, the the country was somewhat divided then, but man, absolutely nothing like it is now. And this is a possibility that I sure hope does not play out. Let me talk to Judy in Loveland. Hey, Judy, how are you? Are you talking to me, Mike? Oh, okay. Hey, it's Mark. (laughs) (laughs) You get to talk, Mark. Well, I heard my phone go live, but I'm not Judy. (laughs) (laughs) You don't sound like Judy. I'm switching gears real quick. Um, you, you had touched a, a vein in, in me um, in the earlier segment in regards to um, – I'm just going back. If you can expound just a little bit about the uh, lack of truth that, that gets pumped out there by the media, and I'm specifically talking in regards to the Jacob Blake uh, incident yeah. that just happened in the last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. And, Sloney went into some great detail, but if you got any kind of more details, but, you know, facts are facts. And he was wanted on felony rape charges. He was in the process of carjacking and assault. He had obviously assaulted a police officer, and he was armed at the time. And through... The, the the attempts to detain him in a in a peaceful way, and then they had admitted or they had to elevate it to tasing, which didn't do any good. And then they had to go. They eventually had to do what they. But no, no, we don't want to get truths in in front of anything out there that will sell T-shirts and make millions of dollars so that we can project a uh, some kind of political agenda. It's just it's horse. You know what I'm saying. Hey, man. Mike. And thanks for the call, Mark. And boy, you summed that up better than anybody could, I think. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know the the details on that shooting. I know what I've read. I know what I've seen. And, you know, if I had to Monday morning quarterback it at this point, looks to me like it's a valid shooting or could be. Here's the thing about that, this, and what's so important about it. And I've been there, done that as Hamilton County prosecutor, when you have these officer-involved shootings, you cannot, it is highly irresponsible, incredibly irresponsible to go before the public and make a judgment either way about that shooting a day or so after it happened. You have to wait to get all the facts. That is criminal investigation, criminal procedure, law enforcement procedure 101. You can't give an opinion on something like that, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, a day or so after it happened, unless unless there is a rare case where it is just blatantly obvious that it couldn't be any other way. And it's irresponsible to do that. It really is. You got to take your time. The ones that I had to, uh, to look over and make a decision on when I was prosecutor, I waited until every witness was interviewed, every scrap of evidence came in. And then 
we looked at it. My staff and I looked at it. I ultimately made the decision whether it was one that we should not take to the grand jury or one that we should take to the grand jury. You cannot make these decisions just to appease a, a vocal minority, and you can't make these decisions just to appease a, a media who wants you to, to wants to get out in front of this thing before everything else. You have to wait until you have the facts. It's really that simple. And, you know, that is a little bit off topic, but I'm glad he called on that. I really am. Let me this time get Judy in Loveland. Hey, Judy. Good morning. Hey, your voice, your voice changed. Yes, it did. <laughs> you want to talk about mail-in voting. What you got for me, Judy? Yes. Um, I love your show, by the way. Thank you. And uh, I uh, sent a little manila envelope to my grandson in Columbus in June, mm-hmm. and I got it back in July, and uh, it was, uh, wasn't was undeliverable or something. So I went to the post office, and I said, that's his ex- exact address. And then she said, well, are you sure it doesn't have an apartment number? And I said, no. I said, this is a, a duplex. And I said, that's his address. And so she said, well, okay. So she sent it. It took another nine days. So a month and nine days wow. to send a manila envelope to my grandson. Yeah, you know what? And and there you go, Judy. As we lawyers would say, that's exhibit one on exactly. how and why this could be problematic uh, coming up in the election. And I really appreciate the call, Judy. And, you know, there you go. I mean, it really is exhibit one. And how many other times will this happen? Again, I don't want it to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. But when you have 75% of the electorate, and that's the prediction, 75% of the electorate voting by uh, mail, those are things that can and probably will happen. And unless election night for the presidential race is a complete blowout, and I don't believe that to be the case either way, I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be razor thin. <laughs> unless you have a complete blowout, you're going to have these issues. And it could potentially go beyond December as uh, Bush versus Gore was decided in December. But this could go beyond that. And do you think there's going to be anybody from any side of the uh, of the argument that has a stake in this that's going to be reasonable and compromise? Heck no, that's not going to happen. This is this has the makings of a disaster. I mean, there's just no way about it around it, I guess. It really does. I hope it doesn't happen, but it could. I want to find out what Ken from downtown's thinking. Hey, Ken, how are you? All right, Mike. Hey, listen, I'm trying to figure out how can the states come up with their congressional results, but you still have the presidential results uh, out there pending. They, all, all the votes and the ballots should be counted at the same time. So if a state, they have their congressional results, they should also at the same time have for that state how the presidential votes came out. Therefore, Nancy Pelosi, assuming the uh, speakership, that would still be in jeopardy, too, because it's possible that uh, they won't win the House again. Yeah, I mean, I heard that argument, too. I, I think if we're realistic, though, they, they probably will win the House. And, you know, as repulsive as she is, she's popular in but, the district in San Francisco. So. Yeah, but the, but the votes should be counted at the same time. So if California, if they know who won their congressional races, they should also know by the same uh, telling the same ballots who won the presidential race. Yeah, and I understand what you're saying, Ken, and. 
you know, reasonable minds can, can have different opinions on it, but it's just a possibility that no one wants. Wouldn't you agree? I agree with you, Mike. God All bless you. All right, brother. Take Thank care. you. That was Ken from downtown. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take some smart lawyers probably to, to figure all this out. And ultimately, if something like that happens, it's going to land in the lap of the United States Supreme Court, who already decided one election uh, in this century at the beginning of it. And that's not what the uh, the framers intended, if anybody cares about that anymore. So hopefully it won't happen, but I'm afraid that there is a chance that it could I think we got time for a quick one here. Steve from Fort Wright wants to talk about that Trump parade next Saturday. Hey, Steve, what you got, man? Hey, Mike, how are you doing today? Good. Hey, listen, uh, yeah, I think that the uh, parade she said is going to be maybe around, she got like 4,000. Yeah. I expect that to be doubled. You know what? They got a week, and from what I understand, it's rapidly uh, increasing. It's going to be something to watch. That's why I said I hope somebody's up there in an airplane or a drone or something, you know, just viewing it in its entirety, if that's possible. But it's that's going to be something to watch. I'm going to be on the radio here when it's going on. I'm thinking about trying to get somebody that's in it, maybe to call in periodically with uh, with updates as to how it's going. Well, I'll give you a call. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I think the Democrats are going to take an opportunity to tell us that we're wasting a bunch of Gas. Oh, count on it. Count on it. <laughs> count on it. There's no doubt about it. Hey, man, thanks for the call. Okay, okay bye-bye. Yeah, I thought about that, what, what Steve just said. <laughs> They'll be crying about, oh, you know, all this police overtime, uh, inconveniencing people, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? The riots inconvenience people. The protest, if you will, inconvenience people. You know, if Trump supporters are going to inconvenience people for a short period of time. So be it. I'll put up with it. You know, uh, it's a hell of a lot better than having a riot and burning buildings and shooting people. So, yeah, I think it's something that uh, that we can put up with. And we will be talking about it next Saturday, getting periodic updates as the parade unwinds. Speaking of unwinding, I got to get out of here. As always, uh, it's been great talking to you and listening to you. Mike Allen, News Radio 700, WLW.